This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, December 5th, 2012. I'm Caleb Brown. In popular media, the story is simple. If consumers are spending, we'll have more jobs and vice versa. But the story, however easily told, simply misses crucial components of what drives economies. Arnold Kling, an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute, says this Keynesian fixation is a costly error. You point to Zachary Goldfarb, who essentially lists a series of charts, and his focus in your mind is spending. And you call this focus on spending the, the Keynesian fixation. Well, just unpack that a little bit. Spending and jobs are both symptoms rather than causes. So with the Keynesian fixation, and you see it all the time in the press, is people are saying, well, did consumers spend this month? Are they spending? Are businesses spending? If they're spending, then there'll be jobs. And if there's more jobs, they'll be spending. How many jobs were created this month? If there were jobs that were created, then there will be more spending. And that's what, in my view, what they're doing is looking at symptoms, not causes. Uh, let's say, let's say I, have a jo- I have a job as a truck driver. Why do I have that job? There are two reasons. One is that driving a truck provides value in the economy. There's a reason why I'm driving a truck as opposed to riding a horse and pulling a wagon because in our our world today, driving a truck provides value. And the second reason is that I have a comparative advantage in driving a truck. I can do better driving a truck than I can as a surgeon, maybe because I wouldn't be very good at surgery, and better than working in a fast food place because I can earn more money as a truck driver working in a fast food place. So there's specialization and comparative advantage are the causal factors and that's what creates jobs. So when people have jobs and are spending money they've earned, it's because there have emerged patterns of specialization and trade that are sustainable. So the idea is then that jobs, job creation is a symptom of people one, needing stuff to be done, and two, having the uh, confidence to employ someone to do it. And more than confidence, you have to be making the right choices about who has the comparative advantage and how to do it. Again, you, you know, in today's economy, if you're going to be in the delivery business, you're probably better off using trucks than horses and carts. That, that's an obvious one, but they're uh, Coming up with the subtle differences in the ways of producing things is what entrepreneurs have to do. And a critical difference here between what you call the Keynesian fixation view is that the spending itself isn't very important. Uh, The quality of it isn't very important. Yeah. In the Keynesian view, you don't care where you're spending the money. Just get the spending out there. So you get something like the cash for clunkers policy, which was, uh, if you remember, having the government induce people to trade in cars earlier and buy cars sooner. And if you believe the spending causes jobs, jobs causes spending story, you think, well, this will kickstart the economy. Uh, If you believe almost any other sensible economics, you think it's just a silly idea. And further, it paid people to essentially have their cars destroyed. Yeah, and it was – and I think the the postmortem on that is that it failed. Perhaps a more dramatic example of the – disconnect between spending uh, the way Keynesians think of it and the economy was the end of World War II, where you have this sort of 25% of GDP worth of decline in government spending, 
which, according to Keynesian theory, should have caused a collapse in the economy. And in fact, several prominent Keynesians, including Paul Samuelson, publicly warned of a collapse in the economy. And in fact, it was uh, there was not a collapse at all. It was sort of remarkable that you decommissioned 10 million servicemen, and the vast majority of them found jobs within a couple of years. Uh, and that was without, uh, and that's with a decline in spending taking place. So what that tells you is that if people can, if entrepreneurs can find profitable ways to employ people, that's what will determine jobs and spending, not just spending per se. Now, when you talk about spending, you're talking in that particular example, you're talking about government budget, federal budget. Yes. Uh, but of course, GDP went way up. The uh, well, actually, the GDP as measured probably declined a bit in the first year, but you had but much less than the decline in government spending. And of course, the Keynesian multiplier theory is that GDP should decline, should move up or down by much more than the than the movement in government spending. In popular media, it's an easy story to tell. That is, spending is up, spending is down, and therefore we're on this trajectory, most likely based upon that uh, number. Uh, Keynesians, uh, in general, probably don't have a problem helping that uh, story along. But uh, how do Keynesians speak to the events following World War II? What do they say about the end of World War II? I think that the Keynesian story on World War II falls back on a couple of things. One is the GI Bill uh, as a way of absorbing the uh, soldiers, but it didn't really absorb very many. It absorbed, uh, I think, probably maybe at most 10 or 15 percent of them. Um, and even that is probably an overstatement. That's assuming none of them would have attended college without the GI Bill. Um, the other big story is pent-up demand, that people hadn't been able to buy uh, durable goods, uh, particularly because of rationing during the war, and now all of a sudden they, they wanted to do it. So, um, But I don't recall, I don't believe there was much talk about pent-up demand until the event occurred, and then, then that seems to be a good story to explain it afterwards. To help our reporter friends out who might be listening, what should they be focusing on when they're looking at data and they're saying, well, you know, what kind of story can I write with the data that's presenting itself? What would you tell them to focus on? I think you have to focus on more secular determinants of the ability of businesses to create jobs because you always need to create new jobs. The economy's dynamic. Jobs are always being... Uh, in some sense, eliminated through more efficiency. And so there are a whole bunch of secular issues. There's the um, the sort of cost of employing people versus their productivity is kind of the, the fundamental issue. And things that have been driving up costs in particular have been the rising cost of health insurance, which you have to pay for. You know, if I have to pay for... $15,000 for an employee's family's health insurance, regardless of what that employee can produce, uh, that puts a, a, a pretty strong floor on their, on their productivity. Um, and then on top of that, there's um, sort of all the, benef the benefits you can get from being unemployed and the, implicit, the high implicit marginal tax rates on workers who earn between, let's say, twenty and $50,000 a year. 
which means that they're going to want additional money, higher wages, just to induce them to get off the couch. And there have been changes in the world patterns of productivity, so that if you have a um, a job for a uh, that's relatively routine, that doesn't require a lot of creative thinking, it it's po- it's now possible thanks to the internet and you know higher trans low transportation costs to hire someone f- from overseas to do that job, and so that. Um, so that may so all these things put together, you know, an, an impo- I think the most interesting trend to to look at is the labor force participation rate of males uh, in a prime working age. And if you just look over the past twelve years or so, that's been plummeting. And you want to try to understand why and what could be the factors that would cause that. And again, look at it as a more long-term phenomenon. Look at over 12 years, not just uh, six months or one year. Arnold Kling is an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute. You can read some of his work at cato.org.